0: We've been doing a whole series about torn, and we're talking about, you know, torn relationships. Uh, torn, God's own heart was torn, but today I want to talk to you about the torn curtain. So I need two really strong people to help me tear the curtain. John, can you help me out? Can you, and Gord, why don't we just do that? You two guys right there. Because today the, the the veil was torn, so all you got to do is grab the rest of that curtain, one on each side, and just tear it down, tear it open, because God's not behind any veil. He's not in any box. He's not limited in any way. And... Uh, That's exactly how we saw it happening in rehearsal. So it's, it's exactly what we thought, you know. So, so thank you very much. The veil was torn. I mean, it wasn't just torn today. It was ripped right apart. It was torn off the wall. It was obliterated. It'll never go up again. It's done. You can't even repair that. It'll never go back in place. It's finished. It's over. That's, that's good news. So, so that all the weeks that we were waiting to get to that point, we just couldn't wait to have that happen. It's done. Okay, so so here we go. Got my slide there. Torn relationship with God. We started the first time, talked about sin. What is sin? And you know, because simply put the problem is sin, but Jesus is the solution. So we gotta understand all that. So what is sin? We talked about that. Really clearly sin, it's a noun. It's not all those little deeds that you do. Sin is what entered in in mankind. It was transferred to every single person through our father Adam. And Adam passed down through his his genes, his loins, he passed down this whole sense of independence, this whole sense of selfishness, that I don't need God, I can do this on my own. And that really is the big deal. That's what sin's all about. Some people think it's those little nasty deeds you do every day. Well, all the little nasty things you do, you're doing all that stuff because you really just, I don't need deliverance for God, I can do my own thing. But literally, you can group it all together. I like to oversimplify stuff. It's just straight up, you're selfish. That's what sin is. So he wanted to come deal with that because he wants you to be restored to that wonderful relationship with himself. So how did Jesus do that? John 19, verse 30, Jesus said, it is finished. He bowed his head. He gave up the spirit and bang, Matthew 27. It says, Jesus cried out in a loud voice. He yielded up his spirit. Then behold, the veil was torn in two and it fell to the floor. Amen. So that's what happened. The veil was torn in two, and that veil represented that that boundary, that separation between God and man, not because God was mad at anybody, not because God didn't love you, because God was always full hot on pursuit for mankind. But God wanted to break down the barrier once and for all, and on his own terms, in himself, he was gonna restore you to himself so that you didn't have to work for it. You just had to believe that he loved you that much, that he did everything necessary for you to be in a relationship with God. It's so good. It really is. It's good, good news. So Matthew 9, verse 7 says, but into the second part, the high priest went once a year, not without blood. He went in there once a year and not without blood. So the Hebrew writer is talking to Hebrew people and in the Hebrew law, once a year they would take the blood of the lamb. It was on Passover. It was on this weekend. It's not a surprise that Jesus came and that on this weekend was the weekend of his passion and the weekend that he died. On the Jewish calendar, this was Passover and it was on this day that the priest was walking towards that veil. He's walking towards that veil and he's ready with the blood because you can't go without blood. So he had the blood of the lamb and there was a very real human priest moving towards that veil, ready to bring that blood and put it on the mercy seat. There's the Ark of the Covenant on the mercy seat between the cherubim. He was going to put blood and once a year that atoned for the sin of all the people. And he was just about to do that, physically about to do that. And outside the city, the Lamb of God, who they rejected, cried out, it is finished. And there he is, standing there in front of that veil, and all of a sudden the earth shook, and from top to bottom it was torn apart, and he just filled his pants right there, just boom. I don't know what happened, but it was probably pretty surprising. I don't know, maybe that was a bit vulgar, but I, th- I think something happened. Somebody is scowling at me. Come on, get over yourself. Oh my goodness, have some more eggs. All right, so not without blood which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. Hebrews chapter nine, verse 12 says, but Jesus, Jesus with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all. And that once means once in time, once in space, and once only, once to cover it all and for all. One time for everyone, once and finished Completely done. He one time went into the most holy place for all and he obtained eternal, he obtained eternal redemption. So everything they had in the physical realm is a type of what was in the spiritual realm. And in the throne room of God, Jesus went before the Father and he went with his own blood. And with his own blood, he put blood on the mercy seat and he once and for all atoned for the sins of mankind eternally and forever. I mean, this is good news, this whole blood thing. What's the deal with that? That sounds creepy. It's important stuff. You need to understand it, right? So we want to understand that whole thing. So in Leviticus 16, 34, it says, to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins once a year. Once a year. So they had to do that every year, and this was the time. So once a year, they're making atonement. Look at the word atonement. The word atonement means to bring into harmony and to make one. So what they were doing was they wanted to bring man back into harmony and to make man one with God again, to remove all the guilt, the, the, the fear, the the all of that, to obliterate it so you could be made one with God. That's what atonement is. It's made one. So to bring you into harmony with God. Look at this though. He didn't just die for me. I died with him. This is really important. Somebody, he died for me. He didn't just die for you as a representative. You died with him. 2,000 years ago, you died on that cross. You died to sin. You died to the devil. You died to the effects of sin. You died to the effects of all of that. You died with Christ and you needed to because what you had was broken. It was messed up. It was passed on to you from Adam. It had to be obliterated and thank God that he didn't just die for himself. You died with him. It wasn't just an identification for you. You did it with him. I was crucified with Christ, yet I live and I live by the faith of the Son of God. So I wasn't just died with him. I was dead, doomed, and dominated, but when I died with him, he made me alive, he raised me up, and he seated me forever in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. Hello, I know this is incredible, deep, crazy stuff. You might feel like you're sitting in this room. I'm sitting in this building. What are you talking about? But you and the Spirit also have joint seating right now in the throne of God. You are right now seated with God. Over every situation and every circumstance, he has made you a priest and a king by his blood. Isn't that great? So quit trying to die to self and just announce, I'm dead. I'm buried, and I've been made alive, and I'm in Christ. That's why John said, you are in Christ, you're in him, and you cannot sin. Well, maybe I'm not in Christ because I'm sinning. So you get confused there. But you see, if you're in Christ, Christ can't sin. And if you're in Christ because Christ can't sin, you can't sin. Well, I don't understand that. We have to understand that it's the in Christ that aspects. It's the death, the burial, and the resurrection. And because of that, you have, do not have a sin relationship with God anymore. He dealt with it once and for all, obliterated, redeemed you from sin, ransomed you from it, took it away forever, even the sin you're going to commit right now in your head about me. And it's absolutely true. And it doesn't mean you might not have failings and you might not have conversations with God about the failings. But you know what? He's not, he's not sitting up there going, I wish you'd stop it. I wish you'd smarten up. You cannot perfect what he has done for you. You can't make better what he has done for you. You are perfect and it cannot be improved upon. But what's amazing is that even that approved upon person can still screw up. But when you screw up, you don't break relationship with the father. You can have conversations with the father and say, how's that working for you? Because, you know, sin doesn't affect your relationship with him. It affects you. And it affects you in your mind. And if you hang on to it and don't let it go, it does cause you in your mind to feel like you're separated from God, which is a lie. Which is the lie that Jesus identified with at the cross when he said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Which is not a forsaken myth that he knew because the Trinity was involved at the cross. God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. And you read in Hebrews, it says he was crucified by the Spirit of God. It's the Spirit of God that enabled him to carry that out. The whole Trinity was involved in the crucifixion. They weren't like looking on like, okay, Holy Spirit, this is our time to go away. we got to turn away from Jesus. And then they walked away and just let one third of the Godhead take a beating. That's not what happened. You, if, if you believe that, then you don't believe in the Trinity. You don't believe in the nature of the Trinity. And you don't believe that the Godhead cannot be divided in any way. If you, if you believe that they separated, you don't believe in the Trinity. And you believe somehow like that whole relationship broke down. It's not biblical. It is just plain not biblical. But they were involved. So he didn't just die for you. He died with you. And you died in him. And your death and your burial and your resurrection has already taken place. Hello? All right, praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's all good. If you don't get it, you'll get it soon. All right, Leviticus 17, 11. Leviticus, Leviticus 17. Life, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it for you on the altar to make atonement for your souls, for it is the blood that makes atonement by the life. It's the blood that makes atonement. It's the blood. What is atonement? It's the blood that brings us into harmony and makes us one with him. It's the blood that makes us right by his life. Now, this is good. This is good, right? You know, when I had an accident a few weeks back, and when I realized that another car was involved, and I saw the people over there in this car, I ran over and the first thing I asked, is anybody bleeding? Because the first thing you need, they could be not breathing, they could be unconscious, but I wanted to make sure they were conscious and they spoke to me and said, are you bleeding? You know, the first thing they'll deal with, if a person's not even breathing at an accident scene, the first thing they'll do is take care of cuts or bleeding or any of those things. Because you could bleed out before, you know, the breath is even a problem. Blood is really, really important because life is in the blood. And so that's a God thing. God did that. God designed it that way. That when he brought earth and man together, it was a blood creation that he made. Adam literally means soil and red or soil and blood. And he brought together the earth and the blood. And he made a connection with the spirit through the blood. It's an incredible thing. It's also stuff. So blood's a big deal. So listen, you're not saved from an angry God. You are restored to a loving God. I mean, this isn't about, well, God was really ticked off with us because we kept screwing up. So thank God Jesus took a beating for us so that God can love us again. So the father was angry and angry for years and years, but thank God Jesus took that punishment so we can be restored. That's a crazy teaching too. It really is that a lot of people kind of teach that and think that. and It's just, again, it's, it's, it's not biblical. If you read the whole Bible, it's not there. So it's not about that. God wants to restore us. Sin entered in. I mean, the fall took place. And even when the fall took place, God didn't say, okay, go away from me. I can't even talk to you. I'm so angry. Go away. No, he pursued them, said, where are you? And he didn't say, where are you? I didn't know you screwed up. Even when he found out they screwed up, he announced to them, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to fix it because I won't have it. And God has been in a hot pursuit for mankind ever since. Turn to your neighbor and say, I get it. Turn to your other neighbor and say, what? Okay, good, all right. So Charles Spurgeon, Charles Spurgeon said, Scripture teaches that life lies in the blood. Therefore, this is the mysterious link between matter and spirit. Certain it is that this mysterious link which unites these apparently dissimilar things together so that the soul can inhabit the body and the life can rest in the blood. All right, I'm gonna make four observations. You ready? Four observations, and that's it. Really good. Ready? Number one. It has to be blood. Turn to your neighbor and say, it has to be blood. Has to be blood. Blood has to be involved in this whole reconciliation process. Has to be blood. Hebrews 9, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. What's our problem? Sin. Who's got to deal with it? Jesus. How did Jesus deal with it? He laid down his life. The life is in the blood. There is no remission. There's no liberty. There's no forgiveness without blood. There's no remission without blood. All right, so that's important. So number two, it had to be shed. So sorry, number two, it had to be the blood of Jesus. Couldn't be just any blood. That's why the blood of goats and animals, that kept happening over and over and over again because it didn't work. Because it had to be, you see, what got lost was perfect humanity. What had to restore it was perfect humanity. In this whole divine exchange, it couldn't be man's blood or fallen man's blood. It had to be a man's blood, but it had to be the blood of a perfect man. And it had to be the blood of Jesus. God paid a ransom to save you for the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. You're saved from all the nasty things passed down from your forefathers. Anything that you think you've inherited, it says the blood redeems you from that. So you just need one course on how to get free from your generational issues. I got it there, generational issues. Everybody give me some applause. Thank you, Pastor, I'm telling you. Man, I just can't believe that happened. But anyways, it did. And it was paid for, not with gold or silver, which lose their value, but it was done. And this is finished, just completely ransomed by the precious blood of Jesus. Why was it precious? It's the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. So it had to be blood and it had to be the blood of Jesus. Let me show you another verse. Look at this. It says, Acts 20, verse 28, therefore take heed to yourselves and that all the flock, this is Paul talking to the pastors and leaders, which the Holy Spirit has made you an overseer of to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. So here's what happened. The big kingdom of darkness, all the doors locked up. Jesus came and he knocked on the door and he said, can I see the devil please? He said, sure, just a minute. Devil! Some guy here was talking to talk. Jesus comes he goes. here it is. Here's my blood. Could you please let those people go? I just want to pay off all their debts and I want to satisfy that. Can you please let all the people go? That's not what happened. See, cuz I think some people think, well somebody had to get paid off. It's not as much somebody had to get paid off. It's that somebody had to get the right to obliterate sin and darkness and the devil. For this purpose was the Son of God manifest, not to pay off the devil, but to obliterate him and destroy him. He didn't show up at the gates of hell and say, hey, here's a deal. You know, they owed you a debt, so I'm going to pay for it. That's not forgiveness. Because if Terry owed me $100 and Deborah gave me the $100, and I say, Terry, I forgive you. I don't forgive Terry. I thank Deborah for paying for what Terry owed me. There's no forgiveness in that. I got paid off. He came to the doors, to the gates of hell, and he took the keys, and he obliterated it, and he said, I, as the perfect man, and with the blood of God, I have crushed everything opposed to a relationship with my children. You have no right to hinder them anymore. You have no right to affect them anymore. I am delivering them. They're all getting set free today. It was not a deal made in the cosmos. It was a victorious conquering that took place. And he led captivity captive. And he led Satan and all his demons vanquished in his train and said, you are defeated. And he triumphed over them in the cross. He didn't sign a deal or barter or try to get you free. He obliterated darkness once and for all. So what am I talking about? There are all kinds of theories of atonement. There's all kinds of theories. about How did we become one? We became one with him again because he came and he dealt with the problem in himself. And he has the legal right to say, they're mine and they're free. Get your hands off them. Done. That's what you believe. I didn't know that. Well, you need to know that. And you need to know that that's what the blood did. And Jesus had the right to do it because he was the perfect Lamb of God. All right. Thank you. Okay. Settle down. Please stop cheering. Number three, the blood had to be shed. He couldn't just have it. It actually had to be shed had to be shed. John 10, 18. No one can take my life. What is life? Where is life? It's in the blood. No one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. Now, who killed Jesus? Well, you, you dirty sinner. No, you didn't. He laid his life down voluntarily. Who killed him? The Romans killed him. And the Romans killed him because the Jews didn't want him to say, that he was who he said he was. They didn't think he was the Messiah. They didn't think he was God. And they were mad at him. And they said, you know what? I think we can get the Romans to do a dirty deed. And they conspired and they made a deal. And even right there, Pilate was like, he's an innocent man. I can't believe they're trying to do this. And Pilate goes, let's bring out this dirty, rotten thief, Barabbas, who they can't stand. He's just an awful criminal. I know they hate him. I'll bring him out in Jesus. And certainly they'll free Jesus. But when they brought out Barabbas, they went, free Barabbas, Kill!" jesus there was a nasty plot but you know in all of that even jesus said to them he said you can't take my life you don't have the authority to take my life said i will voluntarily lay it down and he voluntarily did it you can't kill perfection that's the whole thing and that's where the devil didn't get it. The devil tried to kill Jesus and he tried to take out that second Adam just like he did the other one. But what he didn't realize is that by taking out the perfect spotless lamb, he therefore set everybody else free. <laughs> it's, so, it's such a good story, isn't it? But the blood is tied up in it this way. He said, I sacrifice voluntarily for I have authority to lay it down and I want you to know this. Therefore, I have authority to take it up again. And this is what my father commanded me. This is why I came to lay down my life, to be the Lamb of God. But I came down not just to die for you. I came so that you could die with me so that you could be raised up to a place that man has never gone. Not to get back to the garden and be in that relationship, but come into a harmony with the Godhead that was never ever seen before or achieved. I'm not going to take you back to something that was. I'm going to take you where man never was, but where I've always intended him to be. My joint heirs with Christ, my sons and daughters, brought into absolute union with me, joint seating, reigning and ruling in heavenly places. Please settle down. I know it's amazing. Oh, it really is. Oh my goodness. Makes you want to just run through a brick wall just for fun. <laughs> Telling you. You really believe this, Pastor? I really, really do. And it's absolutely true. And it's absolutely done. Give me another slide. Jesus. David also broke. I love this quote. Jesus was cursed on the tree in our place and he bore our sins in his own body. Past, present, and future, done. He bore your sins before you were even alive. He did it. He did it not. He did not bear our sin in his blood. It was in the, it was holy on the cross as it ever was. As he offered us a sin sacrifice to God, he was covered with pure, innocent, justifying, redeeming, sanctifying blood. As sin was being put upon that body, the sanctifying beautiful, precious, wonderful, redeeming blood of God was pouring from head to toe, covering all of our sin, liberating us, obliterating the effects of sin, and setting us absolutely free. The blood, so that he was able to dismiss and say, Father, take my spirit. Even though he took the sin of every pedophile, every ugly act, the sins of Hitler, of ISIS, of every foul thing ever was put on him, past, present, future, still that blood was so powerful That even with all of that sin put on that body, he was still able to say, by the power of the perfect blood, take my spirit, Father. It's amazing stuff. It's amazing stuff. Wow, if you don't get it, listen to it over and over again because it's all absolutely true. Give me another slide because we're coming to a rapid conclusion. The blood must be applied. So it's not enough that all that. It's not enough that it's the blood, the blood of Jesus, the blood shed. You have to apply it. You must apply it. You have to apply it. In the Old Testament, the blood was applied by a branch, literally hyssop. You know what hyssop is? It's like a shrub. They would dip the shrub in blood and they would sprinkle it everywhere. What does that mean? The blood gets everywhere. You see, here's how it was also applied. It was applied with the finger. And with the finger, it was tapped on the mercy seat seven times and seven times before the mercy seat. The blood was applied diffusely everywhere, and it also penetrated specifically into any issue, anywhere where the enemy may have blockages or, or kept you locked up in any way, anything. The finger of God can penetrate any circumstance or situation and make you completely free in every particular Praise God. Okay. His blood covers everything and it penetrates everything. Give me another slide cuz we're moving on. We must apply the blood. Revelation 12:10 and they came to overcame the accuser by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. So here's how you apply it. Are you ready? Here's how you apply it. What do you say about the blood? Cuz it says the blood speaks. And it speaks a better thing. So what do you say about the blood today? Because the blood has done it all. The blood is absolutely, there's nothing else needs to be done. The blood dealt with everything. Now the question to you is, what do you say about the blood? See, as you testify and say, I agree that the blood has totally set me free. When you do that, you come up on the radar of God and the spirit answers to the blood. The hymn writer said, and the spirit answers to the blood and tells me I am born of God. But the spirit answers to the word of your testimony and you speak salvation over every aspect of your life. And that's how you apply it. You apply it by faith. You apply it by believing it in your heart and speaking it with your mouth over every circumstance in life. All right. Revelation 1, 5 and 6. I love this. And they over here this. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins with his own blood and has made us, not offered us, not even opened the door to it, but he has made us. He has made us. He not only set us free, but he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory forever and ever, dominion forever and ever. Amen. I just wanted to hear I get to heaven message. Getting to heaven isn't the message. Reigning and ruling in life is the message. Reigning and ruling forever and ever is the message. Having the fullness of God in you now is the message. Being absolutely restored to harmony with the king right now. Being one with the Godhead and the fullness of the Godhead dwelling in you. That's the message. It's not you get to go to heaven. Now get out there and tell everybody else you need to go to heaven. No, heaven is invading earth right now. It's invading my life. I can feel it right now. makes me want to eat egg casserole. I'm going to need a biscuit after this. I got one more slide, maybe two. It's good news. So Jesus didn't only cure your sin. He declares you're righteous and your accuser is destroyed. Listen, you are not just forgiven. You're healed and you're free. And I just got one more. I'm sure of it. Hebrews nine twenty-six. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the age to do away with sin. To do away with it. To do away with it. By the sacrifice of himself here it is you ready this isn't my table it's not impact church's table it's not your table but it is our table because it's our father's table it's the table of the lord and we come to this table because we want to manifest our communion with him and our communion with each other but here's the only question are you in adam or are you in christ that's it there's only two types of people in the room today there's those who are in christ and there's those who are in Adam. And the good news of the cross is, is that he didn't just die for you. He died so that together with him, you could have a death, a burial, and a resurrection. And you can be born again. You can be a new creation. You can be restored to union with your father. You can be brought into absolute harmony with the Godhead. And you can be in Christ. So I offer you something right now today. Do you want to be in Christ? Do you want to reign and rule? Do you want to be a priest and a king? Do you want to reign and rule in life and have all the power of the Godhead that's available to energize you, to motivate you? Do you want to demonstrate that there's a great, good God? Do you want to live a life where you're highly advantaged? Do you, do you, do you? Come on, stand up with me. I just want you to bow your heads, close your eyes. I just want to give people an opportunity because right here, right now, Maybe you haven't. Maybe you've wandered in and you've never been presented with this. This is overwhelming. It's overwhelming, but it's really simple. It comes down to this. You can be in Christ or you can stay in Adam. You can stay in Adam. Or you can be restored to a relationship with your Heavenly Father. And if you're saying, you know what? I want to be in Christ. I want restoration. I want atonement. I want harmony with my Heavenly Father. If you want that, I want to pray for you. But I'm going to count to three. I'm going to go one, two, three. And at three, I want you to put your hand up really high. Please, if that's what you want, you say, if there's only two kinds of people in the room, I want to be the in Christ person. If that's you and you want to do that today, I'm going to count to three and I'm going to ask you to put your hand up high enough so I can see it. Are you ready? Here it is. One, two, three. Just throw your hand up very high, very high so I can see it. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Just lift your hand up really high, high enough so I can see it. Thank you. Let's all pray. You ready? Come on, let's all pray. We're all going to pray together. So you lifted your hand, you pray. This is so beautiful because you're embracing and you're receiving right now. You're confessing with your mouth that I am in Christ. I am a child of God. Here we go. You ready? Heavenly Father, thank you for this amazing plan to bring me back into fellowship with you. Thank you for your love for me. Thank you, for Jesus. thank you for Jesus I believe, I believe. That, I am that I am forgiven and that I'm healed that I'm, healed. That I'm, free. And I'm free and I receive Jesus, I receive Jesus as, my Lord as my Lord and as my Savior, as my Savior. Holy, Spirit, Holy Spirit come into my life, come into my life. Testify, testify that I am a child of God thank you thank you thank you in Jesus name amen amen wow wow, wow, wow what an amazing plan what a cosmic redemption that you would invite us into this incredible narrative this incredible history this incredible declaration of a holy God that loved us so much that created a family that adores us so much that has redeemed us and you've done it of your own free will your own volition God can't live without me I'm to die for And I thank you that I've been crucified with Christ. I've been buried with Christ. I'm in absolute union and raised with Christ. And I'm reigning and ruling over every aspect in my life. And Lord, I thank you that you set me free to be free. You set me free to manifest victory. You set me free to demonstrate all these things. You took sin in your body. And it says your body received those wounds. And it says those wounds they speak and every one of those wounds cries out freedom in my life. Body, soul, and spirit. Because you became a curse for me, I am the righteousness of God. Not just in a spiritual sense, but physically and in reality, I am right in every way. Body, soul, and spirit. And I insist that my body lines up with the reality of what you did on the cross. I insist that it works in me. What do I say about the cross? Well, it's pretty good. And in the sweet by and by, I'll see the results. I say today, I am a redeemed, blood-bought child of God. And I demand and I insist that every benefit of a blood-bought child of God be in manifestation in my life, body, soul, and spirit. So I'm eating right now in faith. I'm calling you affectionately into remembrance of every promise in your word. And I eat in faith, believing that it is so. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for this cup, and it represents your blood. And you said this is the cup of the new covenant. So I'm out of the old covenant. I've been free from the old covenant. I'm free from the law. It says that the law is where wrath comes. It says without the law, there's no wrath. And you took the the law and you nailed it to the cross and you separated it from me and you delivered me from an old covenant and all of its rules and regulations. And you brought me into a new covenant, a covenant of liberty and freedom and love, a covenant where it's the spirit of life. It's the spirit of God. It's the power of God in me, a new covenant where I have a covenant of love, a covenant of acceptance and a covenant of blessing. So father, we drink. To the reality of that new covenant in our lives. We drink to the reality that I am loved. I am accepted. I am a child of God. We drink to it now. In celebration of great victory. In Jesus precious name. Amen. Hallelujah. I mean even if you don't know what's going on. Say hallelujah. Even if you're not sure about it all. Say hallelujah. Hallelujah. And if you are sure about it, say, yeah! Whoa! Man. Oh, Father, we love you. We bless you. I'm so glad that I get to experience this in a community of believers, that we get to celebrate these things and encourage each other in the reality of what it is to be a believer. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the cross. cross. Thank you, Father. Thank you for new life today. Thank you for health today. Thank you for freedom today. Thank you for all that's been done. Everyone who served us. Everyone who's blessed us with food and fellowship. And now, Father, we just command each and every one to your wonderful care. We want to go out there now and not tell people, hey, you can go to heaven. We want to bring heaven to them. We want to bring heaven to them. We want to bring heaven everywhere we go. We want to manifest the kingdom of a loving God. So, Father, in Jesus' name, I bless this house. Bless them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you. Happy Easter. Get all excited. I hope I see you on Sunday. I'm going to be more excited on Sunday than I am today. I mean, it's going to be so good. So come on. See you then. Bless you.